0: What do you get when you mix water and oil? This episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back in. I'm Jason Carpenter and this is another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. It's Monday, July 9th. I think it's July 9th. Actually, I think it's Monday. Took a long nap. I came home from play practice. Only got two hours of sleep last night because my tooth. I'm still having the sinus pain, and uh, I, I couldn't get I couldn't get sleep because of the pain. Had to work. Had to go to play practice. I came home. I was going to do the podcast and then get to sleep. And there's a band once again playing at the ice cream shop right next to my apartment complex, and they played for probably about an hour and a half. I just have i just had to take it i just like i'm gonna take a nap and if i wake up in time to do the podcast i i will i'd like to keep my daily podcast schedule up and of course i woke up at ten thirty, so now i'm here recording this podcast so it all worked out i guess in the long run uh, so here's the here's the thing before we get started on the episode because you know i'm usually so on top of stuff and i don't ramble but i so last night i was up this might help somebody last night i was up uh, with the worst toothache. I've been having tooth problems for a while now. And it's gotten much, much worse since the sinus infection. Because my gums have swelled up. So my teeth are bumping up against each other. And all of that. I have a, doc- I have a dentist appointment. I talked to them. They put a filling in and it caused some complications or something like that. But anyway, so I was online and I'm looking like, what are some remedies that I can use? Because the pain was just unbearable. I couldn't sleep. It's like 3 in the morning. And I'm. they're like... You know, rub clove and lavender oil across your gums while kissing a salt block. And I'm like, I don't have any of that stuff. And I would, I would, tr- I would make love to a salt block if I thought it would help. And I'd been doing you know salt rinses, and that kind of helped. I was using the ambassol, and that kind of helped. And I just don't have. A, I'm not a cook, so I don't have a lot of stuff here. And they're like, you know, rub turmeric, make a turmeric paste. I'm like, I don't even I don't even know if I'm pronouncing turmeric right, let alone have any of it. One of the things I kept seeing pop up was garlic. Rub garlic on your gums. Rub garlic on your gums. You go, it burns, but it helps. And I'm like, ugh, well, I have some garlic powder because I make, you know, I get the pre-frozen hamburger patties because I'm a bachelor and I don't actually like make food. I'm like the lowest level of bachelor. I have a lot of friends who are bachelors. And they're really, really good chefs. Like they'll come to work and they're like, oh yeah, I made this hamburger patty. And I put like little chunks of cheddar in the middle of it. And then I put like a single jalapeno that I released its spirit and and entered the soul of the patty. And they make this delicious food. And I buy 20 frozen patties at a time at Walmart, just like a box of patties and just throw them on a George Foreman grill. But I, you know, so that's just a, that's just the Jason thing. I'm, I've never been that good of a cook. I, I microwave my spaghetti, for crying out loud. I throw spaghetti noodles in a bowl for 15 minutes in the microwave. Open up a can of sauce and pour it on there. Very, very low maintenance. But anyways, so I don't have a lot of stuff, but I did have garlic powder. And they kept asking for cloves of garlic, cloves of garlic. And I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose at this point. It's 3 in the morning. I have to be to work at 5. So I grabbed some garlic powder and I put it all over my mouth and it worked. It actually worked. It, it reduced the inflammation enough for me to be able to get some sleep. And so I've been doing that sparingly because I know it I, you know, makes me smell like garlic. And then I actually went out and bought a little clove of garlic from Walmart. It was like 18 cents for a clove. And I've been doing that too, chewing that a bit as well. And it does sting, but it definitely reduces inflammation to last maybe an hour. And you can really kind of do it as much as you want, as long as, you know, because you're going to stink. You're going to be stinky from it. But if you're having a toothache and you're not allergic to garlic, go ahead and give that a shot. Because, uh, you know, and I, yeah, it worked for me. I usually poo-poo homeopathic stuff. Well, there. I guess there's an in in-between homeopathic stuff and stuff like this. I'm not going to buy a jar of essential garlic oil that's one drop of garlic in a bottle of water. But, you know, chewing up a clove, it worked. I mean, chewing up a clove of... I guess there is something called cloves. I guess that's a different plant. But then you can have a clove of garlic. So that's kind of weird. I don't get that. You don't have, like, a stalk of corn and then a corn of tomato. It does, But anyway, so, yeah. Try that if your teeth are hurting. I saw the most beautiful woman today, ever. And again, don't want the episode to run late, so I'm just going to make this real quick, but Vanessa, that's what I'm going to call you, because you look like a Vanessa. If you're out there, and you're still in Hood River, and you want to go hunt ghosts, hit me up, Radio at com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Jason O. Carpenter. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I was with a couple friends... And we all noticed her, right away. She's perfect, perfect. Long blonde hair. She had that tone to her skin where you couldn't tell if she was tan or was ethnic. Amazing body. And and as she passed me, I I mu- she must have heard me say something. I think I might have said oh my god like I there was I had an initial reaction to her and the reason why I think she heard me say something because we passed each other I was with Veronica actually and another friend of mine who I don't have a fake name yet for so I can't I don't know what to call him but he knows who he is We walk past Vanessa. Vanessa, I must have said something because as we walk past each other, I turned around because I was like, I'm usually not like a total creep, but I got to see what she looks like from. Okay, I am kind of creepy, but I was like, I got to see what I got to see the rest of her. Right. So she walks past me. I turn around to check her out. And as I'm turning around, she's already turning around looking at me. And so I. Had to, like, just take in, like, a brief momentary information. Like, I had to get as much visual information in as I turned back. So I didn't, she didn't see I was staring at her. But she had to know, I must have said something out loud. There's not a reason why she would have turned back around unless she, because she was, when I turned around, she was looking at me. But I don't think it was any sort of like, ooh, he's hot. I think it was like, uh, is this guy checking me out? But anyways, I could be misreading it. Vanessa could be madly in love with me. She could be recording her podcast tonight about cooking with garlic. And we're separated by miles of darkness here in Hood River. Just two podcasts broadcasting through the night. If you're out there, Vanessa, I love you. Okay, so let's go ahead and we will get started on the episode right now. And we're going to talk about two conspiracy theories today. Now, they're not the governmental type of conspiracy theories where people are trying to take over. They're science-based conspiracy theories, a little bit of paranormal in one of them. But both of them have always kind of intrigued me and one of them I'm pretty sure is real, and if it is real, I'm totally like... I remember hearing about it back in the day, and I said, that's awesome. The other one I heard about and thought it was awesome, did some research, and it wasn't so much. So we'll see if you can figure out which which one I like. So the first one we're going to talk about, it's a conspiracy theory about oil. Now, you know, I was going to college back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was a time where you're reading a lot about peak oil, and that was kind of the big movement at the time. There's always one, there's always like one big ecological social disaster movement at a time. This was before 2012, but I think for the intellectuals, it was peak oil. We're going to run out of oil. We're going to run out of oil someday. And, you know, The End of Suburbia, we watched that movie in college, and I remember thinking, oh no, this is really bad. Like, we're running out of oil. And it could be like this huge disaster thing. And they always kind of pitched it as it's not Mad Max, but it's kind of like Mad Max. But, you know, as I got older and I kept looking at stuff, and especially when Deepwater Horizon popped off. If we were at a level of peak oil, you'd be like, oh, this is definitely accelerating. the. You know, now we're real. But there's just so there's so much oil under the ground. It can get harder to find. And sometimes we need new technology to access it, like fracking. But the idea of us running out of oil, I, I don't have a, I, I really don't think is an issue. Now, I especially don't think it's an issue. Because when I was looking into the issue of peak oil and things like that, I came across an interesting conspiracy theory. And that is oil is not only plant-based or carbon-based. Now, we were always taught in school that oil is caused from dead plant matter. And dead biological matter, but you know, mostly plants being compressed over thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, and it gets compressed down. And basically, when it breaks down to its parts, it's it can it forms petroleum. And that, that's a real kind of dumbed down explanation, but that's I don't think you're dumbed down. I'm sure you guys may have a more succinct way of putting it, but that's. That's probably the most succinct way for me to understand it. It's basically millions and billions of tons of biological matter pressed down. You got oil. Over time and pressure makes oil. With Okay. Anyways. There's been this theory that's been going around. That that's not the only place where it's from. So the theory is called at a biogenic petroleum, a biogenic petroleum. And you, th- you think of it as in the term asexual, where it's like you don't have sexual interest. biogenic petroleum is petroleum that does not need biological matter to form. So how does it form? The earth has it inside of it. It's almost like the earth's blood. So the theory is, is that this theory originally um, gained traction in Russia, Where the scientists were saying, it's possible that it doesn't, oil is a natural resource that's intrinsic to all planetary bodies, which would mean that the moon has oil, that meteors have oil, or asteroids, that all the planets that have a rocky form have some form of oil. Now the, the common understanding was that no oil is biological matter that's compressed over time. So at first, people were other scientists. There was a lot of pushback from them. What has what's happened is that when they've people have done tests in areas where there weren't, they shouldn't be any oil. If you if it's because of the biogenic thing, I remember there was a researcher in Sweden. I think it was in Sweden or Switzerland or or one of. Oh, I have a listener in Sweden. Hey. If you're listening to this one, maybe you can help me clear this up, too. So one of the Nordic, one of the high European states, this researcher was like, no, there's I will prove that there's oil there. And he was able to drill in an area that there shouldn't have been oil. And it, there was a trickly black substance. And the scientists were like, ha ha, it's not oil. And he's like, well, it's kind of oil. So that's been the complication. Science has had to come back and say that, OK, guys, it is possible that there is some oil that is abiogenic. We just can't access it. Science can't rule it out completely because tests have been done to show that it may exist You'll see some article. I'm going to post two articles. And as I researched more into it, you'll see other articles pop up if you've researched it on your own and they're like, well, it's not co- that that's not true because it's there's not huge deposits of it. So therefore, it's not true. Science and and when you really dig into the the meat of it though, science has to say it's possible. It's just the oil that we're pumping out of the ground is definitely biological matter because we can find biological markers in it. But it's also possible that oil in other parts of the planet are are um, abiogenic. And then the abiogenic people says, that's all we're asking. We're not saying that all oil is from the Earth. We're saying that some of it may be. And there's the argument, too, that the biological markers in oil we pump up is enzymes eating the oil. So... That was, that's going to be our first conspiracy is, is oil something that is just, is it basically the lubricant for the planet? Could you drill anywhere deep enough and find oil reserves? That's, that'd be the question. Is all oil plant-based matter? Or is only some oil plant-based matter? Because even the abiogenic, the abiogenic people aren't saying, no, all oil, absolutely every single drop of oil is um, this, is this. So I think that's an interesting conspiracy theory. Second conspiracy theory, and then I'll go, I kind of do a quick rundown at the end here. The second conspiracy theory involves water. Now, water is one of those weird substances that we don't really understand. I mean, we, we're surrounded by it, but we don't understand on a level of that. And we, I mean, we have a, a basic understanding of it, but it's the only liquid that its solid form floats on the top and they'll say, you know, there's reasons why air pockets and stuff in the ice, but it's still puzzling. It's still interesting because every other form, if you take a, if you have molten lead and you drop a molt if you drop a solid piece of lead in, it just sinks to the bottom. Every other um, form of liquid, it, if you freeze it or you make it a solid, it sinks. But water, it doesn't. You know, surface tension, blah blah blah. But it is something that's puzzling. It's something that we're surrounded by all the time. Now, one Japanese doctor. Dr. Masuro Masuro Imoto. Some of you people are probably like, "Oh, great, he's going on this because he's he's fairly famous in this field. He might be really the only one he's doing this in his field." But Dr. Imoto has a theory that he he feels that he's proven is that water is sentient. Water is intelligent. It's alive, and we can communicate with it. Now. of the world is water. And 75% of our bodies are water. That's not actually true. I found out that men have more water in them than women. Or vice versa. One of the two. Anyways, anyways. I, I probably should have looked that up. Anyways, men and women have different volumes of water in them. That being said, Dr. Emoto's theory is that you can take water and you can communicate with it. And if you say beautiful things to it, it will form beautiful ice crystals. So if I have a glass of water and I say, Vanessa, I love you. And I saw you in Hood River at Rosars at 7 p.m. You're beautiful. If I froze that water... Right when the ice crystals... It's this weird timing he has. So the ice crystals form, and then he lets them melt. And right when they hit zero degrees... I don't know, Celsius or something? Yeah, I guess it'd be zero degrees Celsius. He's from Japan. Right when they... The very second they start to melt, he takes a picture of them. And it'll be this most beautiful ice crystal in the world. Now, let's say... I have water, and I go, oh, my swollen gums. You are the representation of my swollen gums. I just want to rub garlic all over this glass. And then do the same thing, freeze it, and then right when it starts to melt, it will be this ugly, won't be crystallized, will just be like this ugly dollop. And you can do it by saying nice stuff to it. You can say do it by saying uh, mean stuff to it. If you play beautiful classical music, the crystals are just intricately formed. If you play heavy metal, it's just like chaotic. It's not from the vibrations necessarily because you've played the music and then you froze it. And... So he's done all these experiments. Thousands, tens of thousands of experiments. Oh, he's dead. I didn't know that. Anyways, I'm just looking at this. He does tens of thousands of experiments on this and he says, you know, water ascension, how we react to water, water reacts to us. And the reason why this is important, because not only are we surrounded by water, but we're mostly made up of water. So the way that we think about our own bodies and the way we talk to other people influences the way that their water molecules are forming. So that's an interesting theory. I remember hearing about that the first time when I saw that old documentary, Down the Rabbit Hole. It was the follow-up documentary to What the Bleep Do We Know? The only reason I watched it because I have a crush on Marley Matlin. And she was the star of that. And Armin Schimmerman was in that too. And he was Quark on Deep Space Nine. But anyways, anyways. In that, he, they had this theory about water being sentient. And the way that you talk to water determines the water molecules. So we see it in that brief moment when it's melting. But if I every day drink, a, have a glass of water, and I talk about how beautiful it is, and I drink it, I'm basically communicating with the water. So again, that's an interesting theory. Now, I think it's interesting. I think you know, going back to the whole water being fascinating thing, I think water is is fascinating. I go on and on about the depths of the ocean, but one of the things that I've observed is humans' relationship with water. Now, as far as we know, as far as we know, liquid water is the most rare element in the galaxy. We have not been able to really detect liquid water in uh, definitely in our solar system. We've done those big telescopes and go, oh, maybe that planet has some water, maybe that. But liquid water is so rare. And we pee in it. We poop in it. We fill holes in our backyard with it. We spray it on ourselves when we get wet. Well, obviously we get wet. We spray it on ourselves and we get hot. We put it in little bubbles, little rubber balloons and throw them at each other. It's It's more... When we look at the galactic scale, it is more rare than the most precious metals on this planet and we just treat it like... It's completely replenishable. It's completely disposable. It's rainy, and and it's just everywhere. Now, I know there's countries that have water problems, but I think you get where I'm going with it, is that, you know, it's that's the most rare. We talk about gold. We talk about diamonds, which, you know, aren't really that rare, but we talk about rare earth metals that we pull out of Africa for cell phones and stuff like that. But water, when we look at a galactic scale, water is the most rare thing in the galaxy, and, and we treat it as an afterthought we we mix powdered c- colored p- powder into it and drink it as kool-aid and it's amazing it's amazing when we look at it that way so to think that we're on a planet with all this water and not only is it here to help us but it's actually sentient and we can communicate with it in some way i think is amazing on some level so i looked into both of those conspiracies over the years and both of these conspiracies are on the conspiracy theory list that I like to go through. Kind of the odder conspiracy theories, the, the deeper, lesser-known ones. One of these conspiracy theories is absolute garbage. It's pseudoscience. And the other conspiracy theory I think is possible, and I'm really excited by the idea of it. Let's see if you can imagine which one. Let me give you a second. I'll put some little theme music right here. I'm sure that you're like, oh man, which one, which ridiculous theory is Jason going to propose is actually proof, is actually possible right now? Is he going to talk about water because aliens come from underneath it? He's going to talk about oil. I think the idea of water being sentient is amazing. But it's absolutely ridiculous, and it is the height of pseudoscience. And and like I said, I watched that documentary, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to write his name down, and I went and did some research on it. Now, uh, I'm fairly skeptical on a lot of this stuff, and I think I've kind of said in the past, like, if you show me something that proves that it's not true, then I'm more likely to believe it, that it's not true. Now, when I looked into this, basically every skeptical article said, listen... This is the way that it works. You take thousands of photos. You yell at some water. You talk. You t- call water Vanessa. And you say it's the most beautiful water in the world. You take pictures of, thou- you take pictures of all these ice crystals. You're go- your premise is that when you talk about it, the ice crystals are m- more beautiful. So what are you going to do with all the photos you take where they're not beautiful? Well, you dismiss those. Oh, I took it at the wrong time. Oh, I'm not going to... Assuming his heart was in the right place, he was looking at it and goes, ah, that was taking the wrong time. That was taking the right time. That one's beautiful. Put that one up. That one's beautiful. Put that one up. It's too selective. There's no real control. And he did start having a glass of water that he didn't say anything to. And he's like, well, look at these photos. They're just natural crystals. But again, this actual selection of the photographs and the photographs you're presenting as proof to us is is the issue if you made access if you said well i took one photo of each and e- this was each time like i took one photo just one photo of the beautiful glass of water and it was this crystalline form it laid laid more credence to his theory but people have tried duplicating it and they haven't been able to or they've been able to but they have to take so many photos and then they just cherry pick the beautiful ones I love the idea to think that water is sentient on some level. I do believe that, you know, positivity and negativity go out into the world. But again, I could walk around town and be super positive to everyone, and then one person be like, "Thank you, Jason. That was, you gave me like hope. That was such a great day." And then tell everyone I have I exhibit some sort of positive energy. I can cure people. I can cure their bad moods. And you're like, "Well, yeah." You talk to a thousand people, and ten people said that you helped them. You know, and then fifty people are like, and then you know a bunch of other people just told you to slag off. So it's just selective, it's selective information. And then of course, as I was doing research for this podcast, I did realize that I didn't know that he has passed away now, but at the time he was selling, like, again, he was selling products, happy water, water that people talked to and said beautiful things to, and then you could buy it for an excessive amount of money and drink it and feel positive. And that's just, you're just ripping people off. Just throw out the theory. He has some other theories about rice, and actually, you know, people have, tried duplicate, people have tried duplicating that as well. If you're nice to rice, it doesn't spoil, or, or whatever. It's pseudoscience, it's nonsense. The oil thing, which again, this was a story that I'd heard, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, and found fascinating. And again, I had to do some more digging on this. And as it stands right now, the consensus is is, yeah, I guess it's possible. It's not what we're pumping out, but it's possible. And so the scientific community is still more divided on on this, on the oil issue. And I think the idea of the planet actually producing a lubricant, like oil is a natural substance that exists on every planet, is um, fascinating, is fascinating. It's just another layer to how amazing science works. Now, again... It's probably not the oil that you put in your car, and even the, a, even the people who are supporters of the a biogenetic what was it? You, you know, the petroleum that doesn't have plant matter aren't saying that. But I just think it's amazing, like That just shows another layer of mystery. We don't know anything about this planet. We don't know anything about the human body. We don't know anything about the universe around us or the universe in the microverse or anything like that. I find that fascinating. That new stuff is being discovered. Stuff that we've taken for granted is being discovered today. Because like I said, people have tried dismissing the abiogenic oil and the really the best they can come up with is it's not in huge, huge amounts, at least huge amounts that we can access. But if if that's true, if something that is as ubiquitous as oil, ubiquitous, you, I think there's a T in there, but something that's such a part of our life as oil, you know, that, that there's, we're still discovering stuff about that, I find that amazing. And I don't believe in peak oil either. If you believe in peak oil, that's fair enough to you. But, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember watching a PBS special with Tony Dan, Not Tony Danza. Who was the guy from Cheers? Not Tom Selleck. Ted, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. He was one of the T brothers, as I call him. Along with Tron and... I don't know, Tommy figure. Anyways, um... I forgot his name again. Um... Ted Danson was doing a PBS special, and he's like, "The African rainforest... not the African rainforest. The the um, Amazon rainforest is going to be gone." And this, I was like, "And I was this was probably in the '80s." He's like, "By the year 1992, the Amazon rainforest will be gone." And I remember being like, super scared. I'm like, "Oh my god! All these parrots are going to be gone, and we're just going to..." And it's not. It's not. It's not. We always hear these stories of these ecological disasters. If you ever want to, and I'm not saying pollution's great pollution we need to work on there are things that we do that don't help the planet and we need to control them the problem is is that we always seem to go and we go okay so if if we're polluting in 20 years the world will be uninhabitable if we're cutting down trees now in 20 years there will be no trees there's always this incredibly alarmist behavior with it if you ever want If you're like, no, Jason, you're an idiot and all this, go to a used bookstore, go online and buy books by, um, you can do this with Nostradamus books too. I, if you want to have a, you know, a good laugh, buy a Nostradamus book that was published in the year 1980 and they'll say the world was supposed to end in 1997. Like they're adamant about that fact. But if you, but you know, that's all nonsense. Nostradamus is nonsense. Anyways, he was a, half of his prophecies were jelly recipes when you look at you can go buy books about ecological disasters um the coming ecological disasters buy books from the 70s and 80s and they're like by the year 1992 you know women will be barren and men will be half horses as the sun just pierces through the sky and melts everything you can watch you how many science fiction movies from the 80s and 90s took place in a world where there was no more ozone layer this is all it's just this alarmist stuff yes there's a hole in the ozone layer yes we're pumping chemicals CFCs and stuff like that but the idea was like oh no the, if we don't stop this now it's completely irreversible and the world will be destroyed you know it's alarmism it's alarmism it's you're scaring people to sell books to to sell ideas to make money yeah that's that's what peak peak oil is in the dustbin of the ecological catastrophes I'm not saying again like oh no we need to cut down every tree in the Amazon rainforest but go back and read those books or watch those specials that were done Decades passed, and the, the, what they talked about just, just never happened. It never happened. Do I believe that climate change is happening? Sure. Do I believe that man is having a part in that climate change? Sure. But, when you, but because I've been around for so long, and I've been watched these ecological prophecies just fail, just the same thing. How many ministers do you have to hear say, I've done the calculations, and Jesus is coming back this day? Like how many times do you have to say that before you start going? Okay, I'm not going to listen to any of them. So when you, oh, I people say climate change is real. I go, yeah, climate, yeah, sure. It's you know the climate is changing, and do you think man had plays part in it? Well, yeah, sure. I don't think, I think any, you know we're having an impact on the planet, and then they say, yeah, and then in five years. Everyone's going to de-evolve into a toadstool. Okay, that's the strawman argument, but they'll say like, you know, in in one year or ten years it'll be irreversible. We got to start doing stuff now, otherwise the world's gonna be. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's talk on a on a on a smaller scale. If you take it off to this is going to happen and the wor- world's going to end and blah blah blah, and the water levels are going to rise and all these cities are going to be destroyed. Just say, hey, stop polluting. You, you, Jason Carpenter, stop polluting, S- stop wasting stuff. City of Hood River, stop polluting, stop wasting stuff. State of Oregon, stop polluting, stop wa-. that stuff. And then you go, and your water quality will get better. Okay, let's. We can work with that. When you try to sell it as if you don't recycle, the ice caps are going to melt. You know, and then France is going to be wiped off the map. That, you, come on, guys. I know that's not true. You you know that's not true. So that's my rant about. Um, it, I guess today is kind of like the ecological episode. But that's my rant about that. I I've just been burned so many times about these disaster scenarios that in thirty years, you know, twenty years from now, people are going to look back and go, "Oh my God, yeah, remember when they were saying that England was going to get flooded and blah 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 because we didn't do the X Y and Z and, that, and it's not going to happen." It's not gonna happen. You can take that to the bank. When this podcast is broadcasting its five thousandth episode, five thousandth episode, I'll revisit this. I'll revisit episode twenty three and we'll talk about how it didn't happen. The earth abides. The earth abides. It's a big place. It's really hard for us to do lasting damage to the planet. We can do damage to our local areas. We can have, you know, damage in Fukushima. That's gonna be another story coming up, but you know. But remember, even then, they're like, oh, all the fish are going to be gone. California's going to be irradiated. Here's these tide, you know, in five years. The, yeah, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. Fear sells. Just remember that. Whenever someone's trying to scare you, they're probably trying to make money at the same time. So that's another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. Um, episode 23, I think. We're almost at our 25th episode. That's going to be a little landmark for me, doing it every day. So that's, again, this is a really good podcast for me. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Hope you guys are having fun listening to it. Like I said, I'm seeing the downloads all the time. And that just makes me feel like it's worth it. Um, We do have that YouTube channel, Dead Rabbit Radio that is not getting a ton of hits, but I think that's just more of the format of Dead Rabbit. Oh, oh, and I wanted to do a quick update. A couple episodes back, I talked about that guy who said his dog was spying on him. I've kept in touch. I've kept looking at that forum and he hasn't done anything to the dog. I kind of want, that That story, I kind of left you hanging. I was like, this guy thinks his dog is spying on him. See you later. And I was like, you know, I should retouch on that. As far as right now, the dog's still fine and Hopefully the guy gets some help. I don't think that anything bad is going to happen to the dog, so that puts you at, at rest, then good. Uh, DeadRabbit.com is our website. You can email us at DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com. And my Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. So that is going to be it for tonight's episode. I hope you guys have a great day. We're going to be back tomorrow with some good stories, some more good stories. I think they're all good stories, but I hope to see you then. I still don't have an outro. I kind of I'm actually might call you guys the Rabbit League. I don't know. I was listening to that today and I was like, "Oh, that kind of works." I don't I don't know what to call you guys. Except I'll call you my friends. You guys are my friends and I'm glad you guys are listening. Have a great night and I'll see you tomorrow.